No ketchup. No ketchup. What's really good, my people? Welcome into No Catch-Up Sports Talk via Chicago. I am your host, Sean Little. Big Nick the Quick on the line. Yes, sir. Beautiful Thursday. Beautiful Thursday. Me and Big Nick the Quick are going to lead with some football. NFL opt-out deadline is today. If you want to opt out, if you don't want to play in this climate, this COVID-19 coronavirus climate, the opt-out's today, 4 p.m. Eastern. We're going to go into some details there. We got our guy, NBA plug, insider, Flint, Michigan, Eric Woodyard, on the show, 8 o'clock, to talk NBA, bubble ball. We're going to talk about a couple different things. He used to he used to be a beat writer for the Jazz. I'm going to talk to him about that since he was had the inside scoop. We'll get his thoughts on Lakers. We'll get his, his thoughts overall on the bubble vibe, period. And uh, he'll have some good insight, man. His stuff is good. He's... Uh, a guy that grinded through the through the journalism, uh, you know, worked for Slam, worked for free, and now, uh, you know, after putting his work in, he's with ESPN, writing for them for the NBA. So we'll talk to him. We'll close out the show if we have time. Something tells me we're gonna run at least an hour and change on on what I just brought up. But uh, we'll close the show with a little baseball talk. Big Nick, to quick. My streak is over. I was tweeting out winners. I had tweeted out seven straight winners. I was going for number eight last night and had a pretty good shot to hit it. Um, I didn't think that Gordon Hayward would play 33 minutes in in essentially a blowout. Right. So I missed that one. Um, But, yeah, man. Hey, all, all good all good things come to an end, man. You were you were on fire there. And you know what I'm saying? You can still continue that streak, right? It's not it's not about how many in a row, it's that overall percentage, right? So overall you pop percentage. Off, you pop off a couple of W's today, you're back up at you know 95% clip, 90% clip, man, and it's all good. So I'm not I'm not even mad about it. Yeah, I made probably. I made a couple I made a couple couple ducats off of the <laughs> off of the pick, so I'm not one to complain, man. But yeah, it was crazy. It just, it just goes to show you, man. Number was 17 and a half. He finishes with 18. Those boys out in the desert know what they're doing. And, uh, yeah. That's an understatement. But <laughs> I uh, I had it pegged, bro. We, we don't even got to get yeah, it. We were right there. Look, man, it's not like he had like 28. You know what I'm saying? Right. He, he had 18 and the number was 17 and a half. So it's right. just going to be on the right side Say of it less. or the wrong side of it. Say less. What are you going to do? You already know. You already know. People were sweating that over, too. I don't know about you, bro, but I, 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 I'm so sick of talking about COVID nineteen and coronavirus. Please, somebody find a cure for this joint so we could get we could get past this and and get it moving. Um, yep. The NFL, let's get into it. The NFL opt out deadline for players that want to play in the NFL this season. The opt out is. Today, August 6th, 4 p.m. Eastern. My first question to you, and I I we got some I got some comments from uh Marquise Goodwin that I'm gonna play. He was on first take talking about what he would do. But um 
let's get a quick your quick thoughts on the opt. Would you opt? Should there be a deadline to opt? I think that's being flown. That's under the rate. Like, why why are you putting me under the gun to decide about such a massive decision, you know, in my life in August and the first week of August at that? Yeah, I mean, as far as the deadline, like, again, you know me, I, 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 I my feelings on the NFL are, are clear as far as how they are as an organization and how they feel about people. But as far as the deadline goes, I mean, if they are going to go forward with the season, you kind of got to know who's going to be there and who's not going to be there. And I think the difference with this year is you don't have all those unlimited roster spots in the beginning where you can just sign as many undrafted free agents as you want. Um, so they are going to have a limitation. So you probably do need to know whether or not your dudes are going to be there. Um, with that being said, it does seem kind of early because I, I don't really know what their timeline is to get back going, but if you're looking over at what's happening with baseball, um, it, it doesn't really seem like a great time to go ahead and get this back started, especially when you're talking about, you know, 75, 80 guys there. For me personally, it comes down to one thing, man, just like everything does with the NFL. Do you have a deal or do you not have a deal, right? Have you signed that second contract? Have you gotten your signing bonus money? Have you gotten your guaranteed money? Like it's fitting, you see a lot of Patriots on that list. Why? Those guys are veterans. They got rings. They've been paid. Eddie Goldman signed his deal. You know, these guys that have signed their deal and got their paper up front, like, yeah, it's, it's a little bit easier decision. But in the NFL, it's cut, though. It's not like basketball where it's like, hey, yeah, I could opt out and next year they're still going to want me. In the NFL, there's a fresh new crop. Of, they're trying to replace you when you're playing already, right? They're already trying to replace you. When you sign your contract, it's the deadline or the countdown to get replaced by somebody cheaper. So in this situation, if you don't have your deal and you take yourself out the league for a year, you might have a hard time getting back in, especially if you're a fringe guy or just, you know, a roster guy, right? Um, so you see the list of the guys, and it's a lot of guys who got deals already. It's a lot of guys who got money in the bank or who have accomplished something or whatever it might be. Um, I think for the younger dudes, it's an extremely difficult decision, like an extremely difficult decision. But for me personally, yeah, if I have my deal, I'm opting out. Like if, if it wasn't life or death for me, I'm opting out. Yeah, I mean it's hundred percent situational, right? Just like you said, if if um if you don't have a deal and you're trying to make a roster and or you're a rookie that's picked in the fifth round, like opting out's not really an option for you, especially if your finances are if you need this is like you've been grinding your whole life for this, right? Like this is where I'm trying to be at. I finally get here and I know it's a pandemic, but the math is saying I'm the problem is, bro. I think even these NFL boys and the people in public are saying, hey, look, the odds are I'm not going to die. So I'm a, I, if I get sick for a couple of weeks and I'm going to do my thing, especially like we talked about with, with with young NFL dudes. So it's completely situational. If you if you yo, man. Some people need this money, bro. Simple yeah. as that. Or this job, this career, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some people need this money. And there's no, ain't no, there's, there is plenty of households in the NFL where not one person has even talked about opting out or not. Right. Well, that's not even an uh, option. No opt question. out. It's not even a question. Opt, opt right. out where? To do yeah. what? To, no, opt out. Man, when, what, when is training camp? That's right. the question. Right. Wait, I'm, wait. I'm in. They, 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 they opted more opted in than Otto Porter Jr. Right. <laughs> when can I opt in? When, what, a matter of fact, 
I'm I'm opted in. I'll be ready. And yeah. when is the first check cut? Right. Is are we still on regular schedule programming? So yeah, it's uh but, you know, on the flip side, there's probably also a lot of dudes who might even look at it who might need the money and are gonna say it. I'm not going for it, right? Because you look at some of the other sports and you look at how we know this is supposed to spread. And there's if, if it's spreading in baseball, which is for all intents and purposes a non-contact sport, right? Like if it's spreading in baseball, it's spreading through the clubhouse, it's spreading through the charter plane, it's spreading through the bus up, you know, something like that. In football, it's straight contact. Like there's no – you cannot socially distance. You can't fake the high fives like they're doing in baseball, right? Basketball, contact sport, what you have to do, you had to go ahead and put these guys in a bubble to stop the spread. So in the NFL, it's not a mat- – like to me, I think whatever those percentages are of you getting it now, playing football, you got to multiply that by 50 because yeah. it is everything that you're not supposed to be doing right now, you will be doing. And you'll yeah. be doing it with people who live at their own home, who live in a different city, who are not bubbled, who some of them are going to be irresponsible. Again, it's a lot easier to wrangle in 12 to 15 NFL dudes than 60, I'm sorry, NBA, yeah, NBA dudes, guys, than yeah. 60 NFL guys, right? It's just a different, it's a whole different atmosphere. It's a whole bunch of different dynamics here, of play. Here are the opt-out terms. I got this. I pulled this down from uh, NFL.com, and I quote, to be designated a voluntary opt-out, a player must be under cr- contract or subject to a tender. The player's contract will toll, and all provisions of that contract for the tolled year will be applicable the following season. However, he will not receive an accured season. The player will be eligible for a stipend of $150,000 to be treated as a salary advanced against his tolled contract. An, un- an undrafted free agent, however, is not eligible for this stipend. So that, that tells you right there. If you have a deal, you have more options than if you don't have a deal. Well, you know who else that screws then? With I didn't realize that a cruise season thing, like that they kind of threw that in there. But yeah. for those veterans who consistently sign veteran minimum deals, losing that year of a cruise season means every single year you are making less money than you should have been making had you not sat out. Right. So not only will you only get 150000 for this year on, say, a million-dollar contract, that, you know, there's those, those minimums that you get every year you're in the league. Losing that accrued season, that's a sweet deal for the owners. That's a sweet deal for the owners. Of course it paying, is. Paying a guy who's been in the league for 10 years like he's been in for nine, that's a couple right. hundred thousand right there. So, right. yeah, I mean, and you only paid him 150 for this year. Like, you knew – look, man, listen, 150000 You knew these NFL boys <laughs> were going to get over it. Like, if you opted out of these other leagues, you're getting way more of your contract. They're giving you 150000 Like, they just it's get stipend, over – they just get over on their players left and right. They got the left leverage. and right. They have so much leverage. Well, then, well, we listen. We don't have to get into the details on the contracts, yeah. but yeah, they have more leverage. It's a shorter season. It's less guaranteed money. The shorter career, all up top. Shorter career. Everything. 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 So, so yeah, knowing that, yeah, I mean, like that, and that that also influences your decision whether or not you're going to opt in or out. So. Right. It's a cut. That's a cutthroat business, man. I, yeah. I wouldn't wish the NFL on my worst enemy. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Let's uh, let's hear from Marquise Goodwin. He was on first take. He had uh, some thoughts on if he was going to opt out or his thought process going uh, going through his decision. Marquise Goodwin of the Eagles. I'm 10 toes down in anything I do. And for the people who follow me and know me, y'all know what I my word is bond. You know what I mean? So you can't put a dollar amount on my family. You can offer me uh, Patrick Mahomes money and I still will sit my butt at home with my family because they are 
the longevity in my family supporting me will last longer than any dollar will. And I say that with total respect to any guy who chooses to opt in and play. You know, um, we come from different walks of life. Not everybody has experienced losing three kids. And I know what it feels like. You know, I know what it feels like to have to leave a game and leave my ailing wife at a hospital with her guts out by herself, nobody to confide in while I'm playing a football game. You know what I mean? Because uh, the NFL, you know, I wouldn't say they don't understand, but it's a business. And so, you know, I have to make decisions that uh, I have to be able to live with. Man, Marquis Goodwin is thinking clearly, boy. Very clearly. That boy thinking clearly. He's also he's also in a palatial estate, but yeah, you know. <laughs> but for sure, man. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Call, no. I had to call that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's uh he's thinking very clearly, and he respectfully laid it out. Like, hey, everybody's in a different situation. Everybody's got different things going on. No dis no disrespect. I got a lot of love for y'all if you if you opt in. Ain't no big deal, but man, my my family is more important. I can't put, I can't risk getting anybody sick, anybody having an issue within my household because of me wanting to play a football game. Well, it sounds so, like he's already sacrificed a bunch throughout his career, you know, too. So he's probably looking at it like, man, I, you know, I've already, you know, again, not been available. My wife was going through these things, and you know, he said he lost three children. That I couldn't imagine that. Um, so you know, but again. All that aside, to our other point, he's also a 29-year-old NFL veteran, right? Like, I know I was joking about the house, but clearly, you know, he's good, right? He signed his contract. He has his money. Um, so I think that, you know, he's not really the guy we're looking at where the decision's going to be a lot more difficult, right? Marquise Goodwin has had success. He's made money. He's almost 30 years old. Um, but it's really, like you said, that that 24-year-old guy who's, you know, in the second or third year, really trying to fight for that next contract is the type of dude who that decision is really going to be tough for. And I know they say you get your deal next year or whatever it might be, but they can still cut you. You know, yeah, we know that. Yeah, you die quick. You know what I mean? So yeah. we know that. Has, um, Mitch, has Mitch opted out yet? <laughs> Mitch is. Uh, <laughs> he would opt out. Opt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> opt out. Yo, that low key just save the embarrassment. Save it, man. Take your buck fifty and go on. <laughs> <laughs> a couple big names on the opt-out list. Patrick Chung. Easy. Some of the Patriot guys. I mean, Patrick Chung. Easy. That is like literally, I got three Super Bowl rings. I've been in the league forever. I'm literally at the end of my career. I'm opting out. And I really don't want to hit people anyway. I don't, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe, I mean, Patrick Chung does because he just, that's all he does is just hit people. Hit but. people, yeah. If maybe I could just take a look. But if you're Mrs. Chung, if you're Mrs. Recovery. if you're Mrs. Chung, you're like, yeah, you're not going to work this year. We're good. You got look at our house, look at our rings. Yeah, look at the bank account. What, what are you doing? doing? Go, go on TV. Go and get up. You know, what I mean, do something different. Hey, I mean, and with all due respect to Cam, Tom is gone. Like, yeah, let, let them go ahead and figure yes. that out. While I, I don't want to be, a, I don't want to be a part of it. <laughs> hey, Bill, Bill, thank you so much for bringing me back all these years. Right. Appreciate you, man. It's great. Patrick Chung, Dante Hightower, easy. Um, Yep, that's, that's a big Hightower. loss though for their defense. Dante Hightower, yeah, he called, good, man. yo, if he you calls don't know, defense. he calls their defense. Uh, Dante Hightower is a beast. That's one of those dudes that Belichick respects too. Like a Belichick oh respects God, your yeah. mind, yeah. Like that's yes. a big loss. He, tr for them. he trusts him because the mental game is so important him. to what they do and he having that guy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, who we just heard from are uh, Marquise Goodwin, Travis Benjamin, Devin Funches within the division for the Bears. No, um, he's still in the league. 
No, I will say this. No, no superstars have opted. Um, that's kind of interesting to me. It'll be because if, if I would have told you before, I just read off some of those names to name five players on the opt out list. I don't think you could have done it. And I know I couldn't have done it this morning when I looked at the list. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the list isn't getting that much attention. The deadline is today at 4 p.m. Eastern. It hasn't really been covered too, too much. I know there's a lot going on with baseball and hoops back, but uh, this is a big deal. I'm up there until 3.59 before I make my decision. Like, I feel like that's probably why you haven't heard something. You will see a flood of them today. If it's going to happen, I mean, obviously it has to happen today, but I think you will see a flood of them towards the end because people are like, that's a tough decision. We've been sitting here talking about it for 20 minutes. I mean, it's yeah. a tough decision, right? Like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a 358 guy on that one. Like, man, should I auto porter? Should I not auto porter? Should I auto porter? Should I not auto porter? You know what I mean? So yeah, it's tough. Should, <laughs> that's the new word. Re- we should rename the opt out just the the porter. The we auto, look at the, the contracts. As, we look at the contracts of Sport Track 2021 auto porter year. The o- <laughs> <laughs> and just a picture of him like this. <laughs> Does he have a auto porter clause? Does he have an auto porter clause? Yeah. I'm all in, baby. I'm all in, baby. I'm coming. I'm coming back. Yeah, I'm coming. <laughs> uh, Damian Williams running back for the uh, Super Bowl champ Chiefs. It's a big so one. There's a yeah. There's some Eddie Goldman ones. is huge for the Bears. I mean, he might not be known around the league like that, but he is a, a massive piece of our defense. And I believe he got hurt last year, didn't he? And that was another thing that kind of buried us. Yeah, like, Eddie R&G, Goldman is really good. R&G, and we can't lose D linemen. If you want to know how important interior defensive linemen are to the, your overall team in general, look at the Bears last year. Yeah. And that'll tell you all you need to know with uh, us losing Hicks and the D wasn't wasn't the same after that. He's a very valuable piece. Okay, so, he got four uh, years, 42 million. Very valuable. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um. So, yeah, man, I, I think it's an interesting thing. I think it – uh. It all depends on, you know, the situation. So I, I wish everyone luck that is opting in. I hope I hope the season kicks. I hope the uh I hope everything rocks. What was your real quick before we jump over to hoops and welcome on our boy Eric Woodyard? What um what was your take on I know there was some Twitter stuff going around about it seems like some of you journalists are trying for all these people that make money off of football, the journalists the the media members the beat writers people on twitter felt like people were wish like are wishing the season didn't start like see baseball no chance football starts it's like Yo, was, bro don't you make all your money off football yeah that was that kyle brant shit right yeah exactly yeah talking about the espn people i i mean i think i don't think that's the case that they're wishing that the season doesn't start i just think that they're being very cautious and are almost saying that it shouldn't start because if you look at everything that's going on, it shouldn't start. Right. I mean, again, look at baseball, right? Like we, we, <laughs> we would talk about logical? it and we'll talk about it later, but literally Rob Manfred is standing in a house that's burning down saying everything's fine. We're all good. Hey, 28 people from the Cardinals tested positive. That's cool. We'll just take out their series and just keep it going. Like half the team are going to be playing next week. Yeah. We're playing regardless, like March on, you know what I'm saying? So, I think a lot of people are just saying, like, it's it's kind of strange the way the NFL has handled this. We talked about it last week. They, they haven't really acknowledged the fact that there's a global pandemic. It's pretty much business as usual. Okay, no preseason, a few less roster spots, but we're still going to get it going. 
like their their protocols, they haven't really said what they're going to do for safety, how they're going to address that, what their testing is going to look like. You know what I mean? I just think that they're just going. I feel like that has that should be very very clear before I have an opt out deadline. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. What are we? Remember, it was like two weeks ago that JJ Watt was like, "We don't really know what they want to do with us." So how are you giving me an opt out deadline and I don't have all the resources at hand? That's like. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's a really really. What am I opting into? Right. What am I opting into? What's what's the protocols? What happens if there is a rash of positive tests? Like, how does that affect my money? Like, some I get like the leverage that the NFL owners have, but sometimes I feel like the NFL's players union like doesn't grasp how much power they could have what's if stopping, they really did what's, unionize. What's, you know, what's stopping people from opting in, and then come September one, like, mm, eh, I'm gonna actually opt out and pack up their shit like Cespedes. And, and you know, and you know, this, <laughs> like, isn't here. Hey, he's in Little Havana. <laughs> hey, my man was my man was too cool. He was deep. You know what I'm saying? I told you, <laughs> he had a Cubano sandwich, a cafe con leche. Those island, those island chilling, baseball nah. players, they they move how they want to move. He looked at That's his deal. As soon as the direct deposit hit, he's like, uh, "Adios." Yeah, he left. <laughs> yo, I I can guarantee you, Cespedes left right after a check hit. Said <laughs> hit, he was good. <laughs> No mas. <laughs> it's in there? It's in there. All right, yeah. Pack all it right. up. Yeah. Hey, you, hey, this is a recent statement is something on my behalf, man. Yeah, it's yeah. all good. But you know what I'm saying? What, what's, stopping, <laughs> what's stopping someone from opting in and come September 1, them flat out being like, um, I'm out of here? You won't get your buck 50. At that point, it's just like you not showing up for an NFL season. They'll find you. <sighs> yeah. That's see, it's and then you then it ends up being a long legal battle and all that. I mean, we'll see what happens with this, but it, knowing the NFL, it's not over. Yeah, right? like this will get worse before it gets better, without question. Like, yeah. So stay tuned. Stay tuned on uh, on the NFL opt out. Look, let's move over to NBA hoops. Bubble ball starts every every day at about twelve thirty. Man. Don't ask, don't ask me to do nothing. Yo, my girl is so tired of basketball being on the yeah. TV, bro. It's, she's like, what, like, what is going on here, bro? This is running from 12 to 12. Yeah, I, yeah. Set out the, I finally set out the Boston game last night and watched something different, and it was like relief Yeah, for, like, for her. Yeah, oh, for not her, for me, yeah. but yeah, yeah. No, nah, yeah. I'm, I'm good. Give me all day. Yeah, I mean, I get Boston took care of it early, so yeah. it, was, it was all good. Um, but a friend of the program. We met this dude at a Zenny Bulls event, man. Great guy. Flint, Michigan. Born and bred. Used to cover the jazz. Grinded his way. Working for free. Worked at Slam Magazine. Let's bring the man in. ESPN. The NBA plug. Eric Wood. Eric Woodyard. What's going on, my boy? What's good? What's good, man? How y'all doing? Man. Can't call it, bro. You know. We just... uh. We just watching basketball, hanging out. I uh, I appreciate you coming on. Man, no problem, man. I appreciate y'all having me, man. I like the I like the graphic, man. Y'all doing it, y'all doing it big, yeah, man. Y'all, like, y'all, 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 hey, y'all, y'all doing it big, man. Trying try to, man. <laughs> trying to. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. I appreciate you coming on on short notice. I know we always talking hoops on Twitter. I'm like, man, let me get Eric on to, uh, to talk some shit real quick. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I think uh, let's start with this. What is it? I noticed this around, or anybody I meet from Flint, Michigan, mm-hmm. anybody I hear that's from Flint, Michigan, um, has big love for Flint, Michigan. They always put on for Flint, Michigan. And listen, 
I'm from Chicago. I think Chicago is the best place in the world, right? What is it about Flint, Michigan that gets you guys to, to rep a small city with, if we're being honest, quite a few problems, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. What is it about Flint that that gets you guys to to rock with it like that? Kuzma's always talking Flint. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Talk to me yeah. about that. I think it's a mentality. It's pride, man. You know, uh, I think you know all we had to go through to get to the level that we at. We so happy, man. And it's like we taught that from kids. You know, I think we was taught that from Mateen Cleves and before Mateen Cleves, they had Glenn Rice. You look at per capita, man. I put us up against anybody in the nation per capita. You know, we got. Obviously, all the NBA players, but if you want to go other sports, we got a heavyweight champion in Chris Bird, Clarissa Shields, two-time Olympic gold medalist, the quote as she called herself, you know, Mark Ingram, Heisman Trophy winner, you know, doing his thing now in the league. You can go back to Andre Rising. Bad move. Oh, Bad move. Andre. You, you could go to like, Andre Rising. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? You, you could go even back to, to Carl Banks, you know, who won Super Bowl titles. Mm. So I think pretty much in every sport we got somebody, and I think, that, you know, you develop a pride, man. If you make it out of here, it's, it, you got to be tough. You know, just like Chicago or any other place, we we rep in our cities just like that. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, if uh, you're from a rough area, which I am not, let's be clear about that. But, you know, you know people that are from rough areas when and when they got their shit tight and they make it out and they're doing positive things in the community, it's always an extra little tip of the cap, a little salute. Like, yeah, yeah you got to get it. For sure. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you know what they went through. Out of all those hoopers, though, man, like who who is like the one from Flint? Like who is the undisputed? Uh, the, the king from here, man. Uh, it was a guy named Corey Hightower. Corey you know, Hightower. want to go? He he never. Well, he made it pro for a little while, but how cold this guy was. He went from junior college at Indian Hills, and he was drafted to the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, he was drafted to the he was drafted to the San Antonio Spurs, and the Lakers traded for him on draft day. Uh, it's, it's urban legends about why, you know, he didn't make right. it and this and that. But as far as just him, talent-wise, I stack him up against anybody. And then on a high school level, I would have to say Kelvin Torr, but he went to Michigan State and uh, was the number one player in the nation. But, uh, man, the best ones was the ones that didn't make it. You know, everybody got that. It's always, always the ones that didn't make it, right? It's like, yeah, you got the dudes that you know about, but do you know about Buddy? Like, yeah. Yeah, Corey Hightower <laughs> was the man for us here, man. And, you know, anybody from Flint will tell you that. And, uh uh, we had a guy here. I don't know if y'all know, man, not to, um, you know, go too deep, but it was a guy from Chicago that played at my community college. I don't know if y'all heard of John Taylor. Yeah, of course. JT, man, that, yeah. man, oh, man, one of the best junior college scorers I saw, man. That, that Bro, there's the Chicago crazy, list man. of guys like that is, it's, it's so long it that forever. it's. I, that, and that, that's also why I think D Rose has so much love oh, because he had the pressure. He's from the city, got out of the city. Got to the national championship, then comes comes to the hometown squad, gets an MVP. That's why Absolutely. he's so revered. It's man. like, man, we he finally is. had one that had the potential, capitalized on the potential, and then and made it and, all the way. And through. still doing his thing, one hundred percent. That's why that Bleacher Report put him in the honorable mention of top. Oh Chicago. man, that's, that, that, that was yeah, disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> I to block him. disrespectful. I never seen that like that. D. Rose is, you know, I know Russell Westbrook is more accomplished, obviously, stay longer, but he the most athletic point guard I ever saw, man. He won, talent-wise, one of the best point guards I ever saw. And, uh, it was great for me. You know, I moved to Chicago this year before COVID and all that, so yeah. just being in the barbershops and just listening, I would, wouldn't even tell people that I work for ESPN or nothing like that. And, uh, just being in the barbershops, listening how how loved he is there. And I got a funny story about D. Rose, too. Uh, actually, when I first got the job for ESPN, 
I don't know why, but for whatever reason, my flight was pushed back. So I know he was going to have a book signing in Chicago at like a Barnes and Noble or something. This was like going into the season. And I was like, man, I really want to get there. I want to start building my roots in Chicago and, you know, you know, building my name out there a little bit. And I want to go to D Rose book signing. And uh, I'm like, well, for whatever reason, I couldn't go out there. So we had a, a summit for ESPN where we meet up and uh, we were in L.A. And I'm leaving the summit, you know, about to, you know, go back to Utah so I can fly to Chicago. It's a big process. And uh, I'm in the TSA line and I look up and I and I, and I look and I see D Rose by himself, no security, just him and his girl and his kids. And I and nobody was approaching him at all. So I went up, I said, D Rose, what's good, man? I said, uh, you know, I just got hired for ESPN. I got the Midwest region. I'm going to be covering the Pistons a little bit this year. He said, man, I'll take care of you, man. When you come to Detroit, I got you. And he he remembered it, man. I went to their training camp and he gave me a one-on-one. Isaiah Thomas was there, so I got to tell a story about that connection in, in, in Detroit, man. So, man, great guy, man. D. Rose, always going to give my ultimate respect, man. And I, I love what he's doing, putting on for Chicago. So. That's a that's a dope-ass story. Shout-out D. Yeah. Rose, moving yeah. along. Shout no out security, no, no entourage. Just yeah. him yeah. girl, like, regular in the TSA line. Like in the nothing. TSA line. I <laughs> D. Rose, I'm like, I looked up. You know, I'm a basketball <laughs> fan at the end of the day, so. Right. I know that's not D Rose, and it was him, man. And I went right up to him, talked to him, man. Super cool. We talked about ten minutes in the airport, and uh, you would. It was just crazy, man. Just super humble, man. You wouldn't even think the airport's like the great equalizer. You just see everybody, bro. Like every every time. <laughs> no doubt. Okay, let's get into this bubble ball. Mm -hmm. Eric, tell me your because this is how we're going. This is how I see it going. We're going to talk. What's your favorite thing in the bubble? We're going to talk. Little Lakers, we'll go through the, the AC playing. We'll talk the West a little bit. I want to talk about the Jazz just because you were so close to those guys and we're and we're, mm -hmm. and we're with those guys on a daily basis. So that, that's always the insight that you really need. Uh, and we'll go from there. But what's your favorite thing about the bubble right now so far? And then we'll go into the Lakers. I was actually surprised by, uh, I guess, by – I love the fans, don't get me wrong, but, like, how it's set up, it, it doesn't really feel like you're missing that much without them. Obviously, I want the fans back. You know, that that's a part of basketball. And, you know, the business of basketball just don't operate right without fans. But uh, I think they're doing a really good job, like, how they're, like, packaging it on TV. That's pretty dope. And I think you're really seeing the real hoopers rise to the top. It's like the guys that can hoop no matter what and just love the game. I think they can really just lock in and dial in on the game of basketball. And you're seeing guys really – show their game on this level. So I think that's the best part about it. And uh, just seeing some of these stories that's been coming out of it, you know, a lot of my coworkers have been telling some great stories from Rachel Nichols and Luke Andrews down there and Mark Spears, uh, just our whole team. They're telling some amazing stories and trying to get that insight of how it is because this is historic times. We never saw anything like this. So this is going to be some, you know, I'm, I got a six-year-old. I'm going to tell him years moving forward, you know, how it is. So it's crazy. Yeah, it's – uh. Me and Quick on the last episode, we're talking about the presentation. And like you said, it, it looks great. It feels like regular NBA hoops. I don't feel like we're missing anything. From a fan perspective, sitting on the couch, I know the ball players themselves, the atmosphere is completely different. But for me, sitting on the couch, it doesn't feel that different to me. Like, I'm already used to it. Like, I'm already just sitting there, like, up the games on, let's turn it on. And, and I don't feel like it's any different than I would watch uh, any other game. So, yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Me and Quick were also talking about this. He's got a couple Lakers tickets to win the title. Couple. 
I I have officially I, I I tweeted this and I was talking about this. I'm a, I'm officially off the Lakers to win the championship, and I'm, on the, <laughs> and I'm on the Clippers to win to come out of the West. Um, talk to me about are the Lakers still the favorite in your eyes? I know they locked up the West. Are they are they in a little cruise control? Like these last games don't mean anything. Let's get to the playoffs to see what's up. Or are are give me your thoughts on what you see when you're watching them. I definitely think they're in a little crew control. They obviously locked up the Western Conference. You know, I think uh, that's how LeBron is. You know, LeBron's going – he knows when to exert energy. That's what makes him great. You know, I'm not going to waste energy on this game or that game, you know, until it's really time to show up. Just the same thing you see with Kawhi Leonard. So last night was an example. You know, they played Oklahoma City, and uh, I think they were a little bit cruise control. I mean, the Lakers had what they missed the playoffs five years in a row, so – coming back and locking up the number one in the West. That's a big thing. I mean, if you really think yeah. about that. Seven years in a row. Like yeah, yeah. I think. It was, it was yeah. Something like, yeah, I, yeah. I know I got my, my dates off a little bit. I'm not yeah. great with numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 you're good. Yeah, it's yeah good man, you know, uh, definitely that's a big accomplishment. So I think, I mean, naturally anybody would kind of be in cruise control a little bit at that point, but I'm not I'm not worried. I think LeBron is playing. He's so battle-tested, and I think he's going to be ready. You know, my biggest concern coming into the year was how would AD play on this stage? And AD show, you know, he's ready. What he scored 40 against Utah the other day. And, you know, that last shot over Gobert that he hit, that was big time. But uh, I think they're, they'll are they be ready when it's time. I, I'm still picking the Lakers to come out, you know, come out the West. And I, I think my concern is a, little, is a little bit with Clippers. You know, I thought they – how concerned were they with guys leaving the bubble, coming back in, that camaraderie. So I was a little concerned with them, honestly. So there's, it seems like they're starting to get it together a little bit. But still, I mean, nobody's talking about – them losing to the Suns the other day. So, I mean, that's – Go ahead, Quick. You know, it's crazy. No, I mean, I 100% agree with everything he just said. I think if anybody's worried about the Lakers and specifically LeBron, it's like you haven't been watching basketball the last 10 to 15 years. If there's one thing I'm not worried about, it's LeBron James being ready when, when it's that time, right? So, I would be more worried if I was a Clippers fan. They're still trying to build chemistry. Like you were talking about, you got guys leaving the bubble for whatever reason. They're still trying to bring some guys back. You got a lot of these guys that have never been in this type of spot. We understand that Kawhi has, but outside of Kawhi, they haven't, which is the same case for the Lakers. But again, LeBron's a different type of dude as far as a leader goes. Um, and yeah, I think LeBron is just a little bit on cruise control, man. I've been telling you, he wants to get those other guys ready. ADE, Kyle Kuzma, E, Caruso, whatever your version of Eden is, do it. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be there when it matters. <laughs> why, are you, why are you disrespecting Caruso? <laughs> I like Caruso, bro. Caruso's one of those type of dudes who will make a moment in a playoff game. Like, you'll remember, just like Delanova used to have those scrappy yeah. moments, man. Dudes yeah. like that, he'll give you two points, but, you know, it's 100% hard. Um, but as far as LeBron, <laughs> this is all measures, man. Like, you're still with the disrespect, dude. Why you going to fly? He going to give you two points. That's what he has, I think my man averages like 4.1 points a game. That's not what he does. Oh, man. He's not Come a on, scorer, man. But he dude. averages like 15 hustle plays a game, so he's good. Um, but, yeah, so as far as LeBron, man, this is all calculated. I'm not worried about the Lakers. I still think they're the favorites. I still think that when LeBron and AD play a great game, they're unbeatable. You're just – you're not – If they, I think the record is if they score 60 points, they're 12-0. and 0. Um, so if you start seeing that in the playoffs, no one's going to beat them. And AD, like we talked about last week, is the X factor because there's nobody in the Western Conference that can guard him. Yeah, you can throw Kawhi and Paul George and Bron and maybe try to slow him down, but you still got to deal with AD. Um, and defensively, defensively too, man. I mean, yeah, you know, when they obviously LeBron can't do it every night at this age, but the way I saw them dial in defensively. That's what got me. You know, I'm like, yeah, they 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 ready when it's time. But mm -hmm. you know, LeBron is all about preserving his energy. We know how LeBron operates, and I think they'll be ready. 
I don't I don't doubt that they'll be ready. I just don't know if them being fully ready and the Clippers being fully ready is 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 enough to beat them. We'll see. It's gonna right. be interesting. I think uh I always say this being quick, talk about this all the time. It's the best thing about sports is like, yo, we could hop on the internet and talk as much shit as we want. They're gonna take the floor and they're gonna play. So we're gonna find out who, who's talking, who's not, and, and and who's ready to go. Um perfect segue. Lakers got beat up by the Thunder. What do you make of the Thunder? Chris Paul is out there, you know, Chris Paul. Um, what do you make of those guys? Uh, just playing how they're playing coming on this year and with guys like Shy and the whole crew? Man, I, they totally exceeded my expectations. You know, I didn't expect them to do much at all this year. I was wondering would Chris Paul even stay there. So, I mean, the fact that he slimmed down, you know, what he went vegan and, you know, really committed himself to the game. And now you're really seeing the real Chris Paul. It was tough to play with James Harden, man. I mean, that's we all know that Chris Paul – is a facilitator. So for him to be standing on a wing, you know, watching, you know, James Harden do his thing and kind of trying to find his way into that, that was tough for him with the way that that team was set up. Now Houston is set up a little bit differently since Westbrook got there. They're, they're playing more of that style that fits Westbrook's style, but they didn't play a style that fit Chris Paul's style. So I think this situation at OKC is so much better for him because it's more so of his style. And he can have that mentorship role on the younger guys like Gilgis and Alexander you know, all those younger guys, and I think they're playing so hungry right now, man. That's the biggest part. When you're playing hungry and really trying to trying to prove something, I think that's when you see teams that are the most dangerous and where they have low expectations. So if they would have not done well this year, it was like, hey, we didn't expect much anyway. So uh, that team is dangerous, man. And shout out to Chris Paul because he's proven that the mid-range shot ain't dead. You know, they try to say the mid-range shot is dead, but we saw that last night against the Lakers. That's still a factor of the game, and He's still, you know, able to able to perform at this level of his career is pretty amazing. The half court as well. No one can control a game better than him. Yeah, I mean, to your point, I think those last couple of years, whether it be in Houston or L.A., there was a lot of different things going on, a lot of different egos in the room. I think Chris Paul was able to come to this Thunder team for the young, impressionable guys, some hustle-hard guys, and he was able to really kind of impose his will and put his blueprint on the team and not give me pushback. You know, you remember those last couple of years in L.A., it was Chris versus Blake, Chris versus DeAndre, Chris versus Doc. And, you know, he's a heady point guard, man. So you right. put him around these young dudes like Shea and those guys, and they just want to listen to him and absorb, and they're winning. Right. Yeah, I think it's a great spot for him. So like you said, yeah, I think he is going to end up staying. And I think a lot of people laugh when they're like, man, you owe Chris Paul, what, like $120 million over the next couple of years. Now it's like, that's not really a bad spot. He's man, playing that's, well. That's the thing I hate, too, about basketball nowadays. There's so much about money, man. Like, let's look at what the guy is doing, how he's producing. Everything that's reported now is just about money. Let's get back to basketball, man. I think that's one thing I like about the bubble. We say who can hoop, man. It's not about the money. It's not about that. It's the passion and love for the game. And I respect that side of it. It's like, let's get back to that instead of everybody just always nitpicking at money, money, money. Let's look at production and how guys are performing. It's so much about, like, the future and, you know, the cap space and all this and that. Man, I, I want to see some ball. That's why we was drawn to the game of basketball, and right. we need to keep it that way. Yeah, I mean, I hear that, but I think the 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 big thing when the money comes in is when the guy's getting paid tons of cash, and then he's not hooping, like you said. Yeah. So it's like, yo, this guy's a thief. Shout out Otto Porter. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Pete. the thief. <laughs> Boy, stealing in broad daylight. Um, so we're talking about the Thunder. Let's stay in the West. Um, what are your thoughts on the the eight seed playing? Because it looks like M- Memphis has just 
this the bubble has been a complete disaster. They come out and it's 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 wild because I think if they win that first tough game, who who did they play that first game where they went out head up and they it slipped away late. The first game in the bubble. The first game in the bubble was a. Uh... Who did they play first? I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to put you guys on the spot. No, I'm trying to think. Though. I, I it might have been that. Portland, or it was. It might have been the Pelicans. They played the Pelicans the second game. I think yeah. their first game was. Uh... I don't know who it was. But it was. Portland. It was. Portland. It was that Portland game. It was yeah. Portland. 140, 135 Portland. Yes, they were up yeah. the whole game. They end up going to overtime, I believe, and they lose. And it's almost like, man, if you win that game, and you can close that game out, they had a lead late, and it's like. You're off and running. And that's the team they're battling the spot for, too. Right. It's like, okay, we got a big win over the guys that are nipping at our heels. Let's keep it moving. But they lose that game. Then they lose a couple more after that. JJJ goes down. Now it's like, man, forget about this bubble. This is bullshit. Yeah. Get out of here. Like, fuck. Exactly. So um, give me your thoughts. And and I think they feel, and Morant has uh, made it, made it known that he doesn't like to play in. He feels like it was a it was a gimmicky BS type of thing. And I I, I agree with him all, honestly. I kind of lean that way like everybody plays 82. Everyone's in the same situation. A playing game has never happened in the history of the league. Now all of a sudden y'all are talking about a playing. Um give me your thoughts on the playing who gets in who you want to get in um who would be the funnest matchup for the Lakers and then uh yeah, I'm interested to hear what you're going to say here. Yeah, that was – I mean, as far as calling it gimmicky, I, I I see what he's saying, I guess. But, I mean, what you going to do? They What they had, 16 games left or how many more? It was more games than that. So, they were still going to have to perform. That's that's part of being a professional basketball player. You got to adapt to the times. You got to get it in. Everybody's coming back in. They're not going to just give you that A spot when there was still time left on the season. So, they had to adapt in some way. And I think for him to have that mentality going into it, that's already a mental block right there because you're not agreeing with it. So I think he should have just came in and just hooped. And, and you kind of – I mean, he's had some great performances, but I, when you're putting that in the air and putting that out in the atmosphere, that's already putting a – It's like a putting a, a damper, yeah. a little negative yeah. cloud. Yeah, you're already, you're already putting that for the team. So you got it. That's part of being a leader, man, and going in and get it. However, I love his mentality, but as far as this situation, I think he approached it in the wrong manner. But uh, who would I would like to see get in? I would like to see Portland get in, man. Just simple fact of Damian Lillard and – you know, knowing that knowing the guy he is and, you know, stepping it up. They started so slow throughout the year and all the injuries and now they're back healthy. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, that situation, that's just one of the best, better stories of the league, seeing him get back in and pull that victory out against Houston, how they did him out there. So I think that's Bubble very, very, yeah, that that would be a fun story to watch. And if him and Bron can meet each other in that first round, you know, just knowing the history and the longevity of how long they survived their class, I think that would be a really fun story. Yeah, the the bubble for how bad it's been going for Memphis, uh, it's the exact opposite for Portland. I mean, you got you got to watch out for Devin Booker and the Suns, though, man. Oh, they're, man. they're really they're oh. making they're making a push. Oh my God! Look, hey, look, 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 Eric, look. You don't know this, but Nick. Is the biggest Devin Booker hater on walking on planet Earth? I, just, I, I feel like my man gets away with winning 19 games a year. If we're supposed to like grovel at his feet for for his statistical performances and losing ball games. Like everybody's going all crazy the other day, and I'm like, cool, man. They won their 30th ball game this year. That's great. For Devin Booker and wins, great. He, he ain't got no pieces. He ain't got no pieces out there, man. And yeah. they just keep changing coaches and 
everything. It's a mess out there. So I think it's it's kind of on his shoulders, but it, it's really not though. For we sure. Full disclosure, I'm, I'm I'm not gonna act like the Phoenix situation is crispy. Like their situ- the ownership is bad, their management's been bad. They change coaches all the time. To your point, I think Aiden was a good pick. Uh, but they have smoked off a ton of lottery picks too, so it's not the best situation for them. I just feel like a lot of guys in that situation get killed for being not winning, like Levine and all those dudes. But again, those boys won 19 games last year, and if you have an NBA superstar, um, allegedly you said allegedly NBA super. Like really, how, <laughs> how, how many superstars could you have on your team and they win 19 games? Like let's keep it real. Like that list, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You know, just just a. You know, just one of the mistakes they let they let T.J. Warren go for cash considerations. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. That's just like, I mean, I understand he had the injuries in the past and all that, but just to let that guy go, I mean, that's just one example of you know some of the problems out there. Josh but, Jackson, they let Josh Jackson go after like 18 months, didn't even try to work with him. And Josh, yeah. you know, Josh from Michigan, but you know he was making a lot. I get it, the the character part of it, and you know making the mistakes he was making and getting into trouble and stuff, but. Uh, just some just some of those decisions out there, you know, it hasn't been suitable for book. I just hope we get to see him playing some type of meaningful game before his career is over. Yeah, yeah. that guy is a monster, man. He's playing a game seven every night now, so <laughs> that's true. He's showing up though, he's showing up. He yeah, showing up. That. And they're three and zero. Oh. If they if they end up making a little push on it, it might change the narrative on him yeah. for me. I'll say that because they have been balling. He's doing his thing. He's showing up. He's leading the squad, and they're able to uh, gain that ground on Portland. Like I'll I'll take my hat off to him. Yeah, he's been balling, man. Yep. Let's close it here. And and when I say close, we're probably going to talk about this for a solid 10, <laughs> 10, 10 to 12. <laughs> but uh, you used to, you, you were used to, you were the beat writer for the Jazz as recently as what, 2018? Yeah, just so this was as recently as 19. Yeah. 20. My, this Corona got my mind right. messed up. Yeah, yeah. I was there for, I was there for Donovan Mitchell, two seat, first two seasons. Okay. Yeah. So you're very close on the Jazz. You're with, you were with them for more time than 99% of the people that know anything about the Jazz, talk hoops, whatever. Um, what's up with the Jazz? And, I, and, and when I say that, I mean, for me, they seem like a perennial five and six seed in the West. Like every year they show up, oh, and you get the, the, the same narrative. Snyder's a good coach. They got young talent, da-da-da-da-da, and they're the, the, they'll be the six or they'll be the three. But not be a real threat to anything. Um, give me your what? What needs to happen in Utah for those guys to get over the hump? And uh, what needs to is is it is it a personnel thing? Is it a leadership thing? What do you think? It's a, it's a, it's a heavy uh, question. It's a lot of I'm gonna I'm break it down all the way though. So yeah, in the past you looked at the the first two seasons. Uh, wasn't a lot of expectations. You know, Donovan Mitchell wasn't expected to come in and be this franchise guy. I think they started that year 17 and 38, his rookie year or something, 17 and 28, uh, his rookie season. So uh, I think he's still learning to be that franchise guy. You know, he gets a lot of criticism here and there, but you got to put it in perspective. This guy has been a playoff, uh, made it to the playoffs two years in a row. He started off his rookie year coming off the bench to becoming an all-star by his third year. So I think he's still learning that role of how, what it takes to be a franchise guy night in and night out. And he's still putting up 24 points a game. So I think it starts there with him trying to build that personnel around him. Early on, they had Ricky Rubio, a point guard. Great facilitator, but can't really knock down shots. You know, they switch it up because in the playoffs, that's not going to factor in. You know, it's going to result in regular season games. But when guys can't knock down shots, you're not going to get over the hump. It's not going to be a threat. So they tried to, you know, make great offseason moves. They brought in Bogdanovich. They brought in Mike Conley. 
Bogdanovich obviously showed up this year. You know, he really, you know, I think was shooting 40% from three or, you know, was having a great season this year, second leading scorer. He gets hurt. You know what I mean? So that's a big loss, you know, whether people want to say it or not. He was a legit scoring option on that team. Mike Conley didn't come in right away and beat a Mike Conley that everybody thought he would be. Some people thought the Jazz would be two or three before the season. You look at some of those preseason picks. Yeah. And now I think, you know, it took Mike Conley a little longer to get adjusted to that role than people thought. I mean, you can't be with a team your whole career and just jump right into a situation and think it's going to just be, sweet, you know, 100%. So I think it's taking him time to learn that system, learn how to play with Donovan, learn how to play with a different big man as in Rudy Gobert, who's not a pick-and-pop guy. He's more of a roller to the rim that, you know, not like a Mark Gasol. So I think they're still learning how to gel together, and people keep forgetting this team is young. So I think uh, it's still going to be some, a learning curve in it. You know, as you said, it, you, nobody's picking them as a threat to really win the title this year. But I think uh, as they continue to get better and Donovan grows into his role, I think he has the potential to be in that category of, you know, of an MVP discussion. I mean, he's only in year three, putting up 24 a night. You know, so I think uh, as they continue to learn each other, you will see them continue to get better over the years. But now it's still they're still learning how to play together. man. it's still it's still in that phase. But it's like, how long do you? continue to trust in that process. So I get yeah. it. I get it. Your window Wait, is small in the way. Quick, go ahead. I, I didn't have anything, man. Oh. I mean, uh, for me, yeah. I mean, we talk about Donovan Mitchell a lot and uh, <clears throat> we like him, but at the same time, we feel like he's kind of overrated um, overall as a player. Like I know there's the Dwayne Wade comparisons with him. And I think people were very quick to try to anoint him in that role. Um, obviously, with Gordon Hayward uh, leaving, there was a huge void to fill, and I think he has naturally walked right into that. And like you said, the team success that they had, I do think that he um, gets away with kind of being a bit of a chucker, an inefficient player at times. Um, so for us, it's just like, yeah, we're kind of seeing like, well, where where are you guys with him? Do you think obviously that he can be that number one dude going forward? But what else do they need to complement him to kind of really bring out the best type of player that he can be? Like, if you can make one move for them, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I, I thought the Bogdanovich move was big, honestly, and I thought that would help them, honestly, in the playoffs, man. I mean, that guy was balling. I don't know if y'all looked up his numbers and saw some of the games he was having, but that took like 18, a lot of pressure. Like 18-19 a game, right? Yeah, that, that took a lot of pressure off Donovan this year, and this was his highest shoot percentage. I think he jumped up to 45% on 24 points a game. That's pretty solid, you know. Yeah. So I think people also probably not watching him night in and night out, so they're seeing some of the national games, and he hasn't necessarily just put up great performances in some of those national games. so. Yeah, that he could be comes a narrative. Out he comes out pressed in it when it's like yeah. a big time spot. That's what I'm saying. So it could be that prove to everybody yeah. that yo, I, yeah. I, I, I am the man and I should be, but it and, doesn't, it doesn't come. And that's fair, me. especially out here. We're not getting his games like that on the nightly, so it is a lot of stat sheet watching. Right, but the national. I mean, if you sit up, sit down and watch this guy, I think through year three, you know, they just put up the stat of you know, I think his points five thousand points. So he was in the category of like LeBron and I, I forget who right up top. I don't want to mess the stat up, but. Uh, you know, you got to give you know, the guys made the playoffs two years in a row, been the number one option, uh, through year three. You got to give them, you got to give them some respect, man. I mean, I get, I get people saying he's a chucker and this and that, but who are you gonna pass the ball to at this point? He needs some more scoring options around him to make his game, you know, more efficient. But I think he has taken steps to become more efficient. This year. You know, you know what I think it is for me is that when 
a guy like Donovan, who we know is young, who we, you know, who we know doesn't have a lot of pieces. Like you said, Bogdanovich got hurt. Uh, first of all, I love all Bogdanoviches in the league. Anybody, if your last name is Bogdanovich, are you in the league? They Bogdan, all Marjan, all of them. <laughs> all of them, all hoopers, by the way. So I rock with all those guys. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, I think the biggest thing for me is I just don't try – don't try to sell me something that I'm looking at and it's not there yet. They're trying to sell me that Donovan Mitchell is a, an a, 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 a annual all-star and he's going to lead the team and do this and do that. And and like I said, and, and this is not his fault, but the overhype leads me to look at the product I'm seeing and be like, yo, y'all pipe down a little bit. So that's where like I get a little that that's where I, it misses me with with uh with Donovan, but that's partly not his fault. That's partly our fault in the media talking about him and and I just don't like when people are anointed and just given that they're the next anything or that they're the man. And right. I'm looking at other guys across the league consistently play better ball than you, and they don't get that love. Um, but yeah, that's that that's a whole another podcast that we yeah, can talk I, about. I think, you know, I think two I, deals yeah. and all that. I think people, you know, when you when you break it all down, he really, he made the playoffs, made it out of the first round as a rookie. Let's let's put that out there. There's been a lot of players that hasn't made it out of the and beat Russell Westbrook and Paul George was the best player on the court. Yeah. Then it come back year two, then you make the playoffs again with a fifty year season. Dame Lillard, Dame Lillard just you know, got out the first round. What last year? Number, right? Last year, that's the number yeah. one option. You you come in and, and you win Yeah. This year you come back and you're an all star. I think he's taking the steps. It's like, but like I said, like you said before, I think the hype is like he's this and that. And don't get me wrong, you know, I think he's a, a, a hell of a ball player. Like I said, I was around him every day. He still got holes and things to improve at, just like anybody else. But once you break it down and plain and simple as that, the guy is proven that he can win in the league as the number one option, you know, not necessarily with all the right pieces around him just yet. So he has to get some credit from that sense. I see a lot of people on Twitter killing him and stuff, but. When you break it down, as simple as that, the guy's made it out of the first round, been a number one option, been an all-star. You got to you gotta put some respect on his name in that sense because not a lot of players – that's not easy to do. It's not easy to average 10 points in the league, let alone 24 on 45% shooting. That's pretty pretty solid, man. So he's he still got things to improve on, though. Don't get me wrong. He can become more efficient, but he's still learning his role. He wasn't drafted to be this guy, so I think people forgetting that, too. Nobody thought he was coming in, and he, he's already kind of overseeded what he was supposed to do anyway. Yeah. Hey, how was uh how was it living in Salt Lake? Man, I get asked that all the time, man. I, it was a culture, <laughs> listen, culture shock, man, just because I'm coming from Flint, Michigan is <laughs> one of the roughest you, know, <laughs> you know, they dropped me in Salt Lake. But uh one thing I did love, man, the Desert News, the paper I worked with out there, they were amazing. They uh number one, you know, treated me like I was the number one draft pick or something in the NBA. Everything was laid out for me, man, from new Apple kid. <laughs> Apple phones and you know brand new. Uh, I had a brand new computer waiting for me. They they put money behind me. They did all of that, and I think that made it more comfortable for me. Yeah. Uh, I stayed right downtown in Salt Lake by the arena, and uh, it's so beautiful out there, man. I had never saw mountains in person before that. I would get up every morning and see the mountains, and the people were so fun. And the nightlife is better than what people think too, man. I got me some spots out there. Shout out to the three dollars, three shots in there, man. I used to go down there, man, and uh. You know, cruise through downtown. I had yeah. a really great experience. That was the best decision I made in my yeah, career. Man. It got me to ESPN, so I, I, I got nothing but love. So, 
It is beautiful. My company is based out of uh, the Salt Lake area, so I've been out there. And it is absolutely like it's it's gorgeous. You can't really describe it till you get out there and see that type of like color. It's vivid. The mountains, crisp. like yeah, Air is crisp. crisp, super crisp. Hey, it was like uh, <laughs> you know when you was in school, we used to cut out the National Geographic and have to make yeah. projects and all that. When I first saw it, I never was into nature or nothing like that. But once I got there, it make you appreciate the nature. And mm-hmm. all you that said stuff. you was ready for a hike, huh? Yeah, yeah. I went, I went on a couple, but you know they couldn't <laughs> promise me there wasn't no mountain lions or no bears and all that. So only so going so far. There, I went a couple <laughs> times, but you know I went overdoing. Right, right. right. <laughs> I feel like Eric Woodyard, NBA plug for ESPN, my bro. Thank man, you so much for coming man. on. I love the convo, man. Uh, we'll link soon, my boy. Anytime, man. Hey, I got oh, you. real quick. Hold on. I almost forgot. Go buy the Brody's book, man. Man, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, bro. Go buy the Brody's book. Uh, yeah. Follow him on Twitter. The link is in his bio on Twitter. Ethan's talent search, man. This is dope. I wish we had more time. We'll have to have you back on to talk about this, but make sure you go mm-hmm. grab homie's book. You see the ratings. All man, five star. <laughs> Amazon. You know you got Prime. That shit going to show up quick. Go appreciate it. it, man. That's the day, baby. <laughs> hey, my little son, man, he is infatuated with the Bulls. I don't know why. And I'm not lying. This is this is this has happened before I got the job in Chicago. Cut them off quick. Hey, man, let him know, he man. Loves, <laughs> man. Hey, sit him down, man. Put your arm around him and let him know man. it's a long road, man. He loved the Bulls, man. <laughs> he got a chance to meet Zach Levine this year. Oh, man, he he loved the Bulls, man. That's it's crazy. He loved it. He loved the Bulls so much, man. I think it's because of Mike. You know, we right. had him watching um uh uh. We had him watching uh, Mike stuff when he was young, Space Jam and all that. And mm-hmm. He just he loved the Bulls, man. So that's that's his squad. He loved them. Well, hopefully, they give him something to cheer about in the next couple of years, man. It's been it's been real lean. You said he's six. Yeah, six. It's, yeah, it's yeah. been a lean. It's been a lean uh, lifetime as the Bulls fan, man. So we gotta give him really something. <laughs> Everything lean but the attendance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk straight up. Eric Woodyard, NBA for ESPN. Talk soon, my boy. Thank you. Man, appreciate y'all, man. All Thanks. right, bro. You already know. Dude, what a guy. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, let's close it out with a little quick, quick, quick MLB talk. You sent me a message saying, is the MLB standing in a burning house telling everybody is good? You feel that way? I do. This ignore till you can't ignore anymore. Well, at some point you're gonna to have to figure out what you're gonna do with canceling whole series, and like some teams are gonna play all their games. Some teams, you know what I'm saying? Like the Cardinals yeah. are gonna play what 40 games? Like I don't. It's yeah. Go ahead. Well, I didn't mean to cut you off. But. A, yeah. No, that's a good point. I mean, at some point you're gonna be making up so many games. And I was talking uh, to Mike Bowling about this. Um, and just pushing, like, are you going to push the playoffs back? Because can you imagine being like the Yankees and just, or the Cubs or the White Sox for that matter, steamrolling into the playoffs? You're ready to play a series and then you have to wait uh, two weeks or something to, for some other teams to catch up a couple games because of the scheduling. It's just a very, very. It's interesting. It's gonna. It's just day by day, man. Fly by the seat of your pants. It really it is. But I, my my thing is kind of like, well, what would be? What's the tipping point for them, right? Like, what what other teams? So now you've had two teams like full fledged outbreaks: the Marlins and the Cardinals, right? Yeah. And you're really just talking about the players. We don't know 
how deep it goes into the staff, their families, like all that type of stuff, right? So inevitably, you're going to have another one and another one and another one. We're only 12 games into, was it, 60-game season? 60. So you got 48 games left, right? So through 10, what, 20% of the season, you've had two teams go. So at that rate, you're going to have eight teams at least have major outbreaks, if not more. Um, and you're still scheduling these games. I thought that they weren't going to make it through this week. Like, I really thought once that Cardinal story broke, I was going to say, hey, everybody, enjoy your baseball. Get your bets in. I was going to watch some Sox games and get the last <laughs> the last yeah. of my Louis Robert, you know what I'm saying, who's out here yeah. raking, by the way. Yeah. Um, so, and, and just kind of move on and just wait till next year. But Manfred is really pressing on. I mean, I don't know if the owners got him by the balls or what, but he's really pressing on, continuing with this season. And I just feel like at this point, it, it's becoming irresponsible. And maybe I don't know if the discussion nationally is going on around this. I don't know how it isn't, but it's irresponsible. You have entire teams having outbreaks, and it's because they're playing baseball together. It's not It's not like these 15 people on the Cardinals would all get it if they weren't playing baseball together, right? Some of them still might, but they wouldn't be giving it to each other. If, you, if 15 people have it within their orbit, that means like 60. You know what I'm saying? And you keep spreading it. They're traveling. They're on buses. They're on planes. They're in the clubhouse. They're hanging out. And the longer it goes on, the more lax guys are going to get, right? Ooh, there's an outbreak happened, so it's a week of being real tight and fake handshakes. But you give it two weeks from now, people get lax. Then you get another one. So, yeah, I do feel like he's standing in a house, like those memes. He's standing in the house. It's burning on fire. He's just sitting there like, yeah, hey, it's all good. You know, come on in. MLB <laughs> Network. It's great. And um, it sucks because it's been a good season. But I'm looking at the standings right now. The Tigers are already have two games less than the rest of their division. You know what I mean? So, like, how are they going to make that up? And if you're talking about making it up later in the year, that's more of a scheduling nightmare. So, I mean, like, you're just really – you're really putting a lot on your folks to try to figure this situation out. And after a while, it's going to be like, well, for what? Because if you have three outbreaks at the same time, now that's three teams that aren't going to be playing, and you're just scheduling all over the place. And like you said, to your point, you got one team who's getting ready for a playoff push while another team is rescheduling regular season games. And right. if I'm a player, I'm like, I'm not coming to the reschedule if we're not in it. That's I'm about opt out. Yeah. yeah. I am not out of Puerto <laughs> I'm out. You know what I'm saying? You want me to come and play five for no reason? Yeah. I'm not playing against Miami. You see Florida? I'm yeah, good. Yeah, I'm you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I think I think it's it, it's it's becoming irresponsible to me. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think – I don't know if I'm as far down the road as you. Like, would I cancel the season right now? I don't think – I don't know if I would do that. I honestly think a big part of it is when your your major teams are cruising, the Cubs are cruising, the Yanks, the Yankees are cruising. Um, they're not going to shut it down. They're going to hold out as long as they possibly can. If the Yankees keep rolling everybody like they are, and the Cubs keep beating up uh, the comp that they're playing. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Man, that doesn't make it right, though. That doesn't make it right. <laughs> it doesn't make it, it doesn't make point. it right. It doesn't mean it's the responsible thing to do. Yeah. And anything from this coronavirus situation overall is that like you need responsible people in charge to make the tough decisions in any organization, whether it be a country or a baseball team. You know what I mean? And like the, the more you can't just double down on irresponsibility with more irresponsibility. Like I get it, bro. I want baseball. My team is finally good. We have young players to watch. A ton of them. Take your choice. Six straight. Six straight, you know, well, yeah, they lost yesterday, but yeah, they won six straight. I mean, you yeah, got Luis Robert, you got Dylan Cease, 
you got my boy T.A., who I think should be on the billboard in every single, everywhere in this city, right? I love those guys, man. They're rolling, but I don't, at, at, at what cost, man? Like, at some point, it's like, yo, I, I'm cool. We've made some sacrifices already, so this is another thing we might have to sacrifice. I get why you want to do it. I get why you want to roll on, man, but it might just be the NBA show. Is hockey playing right now? Yeah, man. And they got their two bubbles. Up. They're good too, right? They got the qualifying. You know, the Canadians listen, bro. The Canadians <laughs> listen. I said, for distance, all right, we're all about that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> tell us what we got to do. It's the, you, know, that, <laughs> you know what's Tell funny? us what we got to do is 100%, yeah. I saw this tweet <laughs> that said, yo, you guys realize that the what's happening in the NBA and NHL bubble is just the proper protocol and social distancing and wearing masks and testing that should be happening across the country. Yeah. That's why everything is fine out there. It was like, I didn't think about it like that, but yeah, I mean, yeah. How, the, how the NBA is being run is how the country should be taking it. Silver you know, 2024, baby. Shout out. Sign me up. Silver. Sign me up. You know what I'm Shout saying? Shout out David Stern, man. David Stern just groomed him so perfectly and just yeah. rolled him into such a great spot. He hasn't, He's been doing such. But a I think great he's job. been better than Stern because Stern still had that ego to where he would dig in against players. He would Whereas do I think, stuff. well, he but the you remember that last round of labor negotiations, the ones that essentially forced him out the job. It was real contentious. Yeah. They had the lockout. I mean, they did have a lockout, right? Yeah. So, um, I think Silver has done a great job of really including the players. Like he is very big on empowering the players, and that's why I think the league was able to pull this off because you had strong leadership from within the players. Right, the players' voices matter. So if LeBron James is saying, "Hey, we're gonna go out and play," you heard what Pat Bev said. Hey, Bron says we playing, we're playing. <laughs> I don't need to hear anything more. If that man's gonna show up, I'm gonna show up. So I don't know if you have that in the other leagues, um, especially obviously not the NFL. And I think the baseball thing, man, is just dangerous because they really are just the only thing that they have changed is there's no fans. Yeah. Guys are yeah. living at the crib. Guys are traveling. Guys are hopping yeah. on flights. Guys are exposed to the public. If you don't got the team jet, you know what I mean? Like on the charter joint, like it's 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 a it's a mess. It's, it's a mess. Right. I hear you. We're gonna leave it there for Big Nick the Quick. I am your host Sean Little. Make sure you subscribe. Shout out Eric Woodyard for coming through, man. That was a great combo. Um, you see the ticker on the bottom. Subscribe at Instagram, Twitter. Not subscribe, but follow us at No Catch Up Shy. Subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Lock in. Drop us a comment. Share it with the homies if you're rocking with the new video. No Catch Up Sports Talk via Chicago. We out of here. <laughs>